Thank you for listening to the Calvary Monterey podcast. Please visit calvary.com to learn more about our church. And visit nateholdridge.com for additional Bible teaching from our lead pastor, Nate Holdridge. Teaching today is our assistant pastor, Jeff Buck. I'm Pastor Jeff. I am substituting for Nate today. I don't know why, but I am. And so I'm really looking forward to sharing God's word with you. It's a Memorial Day weekend, and we owe such a debt of gratitude to millions and millions of people who have given their lives. I just read the biography of a World War I chaplain who served right up on the front lines in the trench warfare, right at no man's land and all that. And just to understand the trauma to the living and, of course, the ultimate sacrifice of the dead. And many, many who have served, maybe in not such a dramatic way, but we can be here today in such a pleasant circumstance because of that service. So I, for one, am super, super grateful. But I'm glad that you're here today to study God's Word. And uh, we're going to have a, a, different, a little different kind of study. I'm going to be sharing with you on the theme, How Great Is Our God? And what we're going to do to expand our view of God is to study some of these songs of praise, which we call doxologies. Have you ever noticed like when Paul was writing, he'd be going along and then all of a sudden he would just have a praise fit and he would just, just start doing a hymn of praise to God? We're going to look at some of those. I was really touched by Pastor Nate's series a while back on 1 Peter, where he talked about exile Christianity. He talked about the early church living under the threat of Rome in the same way that we live under the threat of secular humanism and increasing hostility to Christianity. And if you have a large view of God, you'll be okay no matter how hostile the forces around you are. And so we're going to take a look at that. So let's pray that God will really speak to us. And I really mean that, really speak to our hearts today. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for opening the way to the Father. Thank you that we have a Father in heaven. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who can open our hearts to the word that he inspired. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from thy law. And as for me, Lord, as the speaker, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. How great is our God? Looking at, again, some of the words that will expand your view of God. So, next slide. Somebody snuck a picture of my newest grandchild. I don't know how that happened. Luca Alejandro Cabezas, 12 days old. (laughs) As a grandfather, I mean, that's what it's all about. But to the real next slide, you've heard Pastor Nate 
talk at times about systematic theology. Have you ever heard him use those words? It's the grouping of information about helpful subjects under different headings so you can really study them. And so if you're the kind of person that's going to hear me today and think, I would really like to expand my knowledge of God. If you're a beginner, you go to Amazon or you go to abebooks.com and you get this book, A.W. Tozier, The Attributes of God. And in his two volumes, he talks about God's basic attributes. He is infinite, immense, good, just, merciful, gracious, omnipresent, imminent, holy, and perfect. And you can just go to town on this farm boy who taught himself to teach the Bible. And it's down to earth. You know, anybody could approach it this way, A.W. Tozier. He, for example, talks about the omnipresence of God, that there's nowhere God is not. So then he says, so therefore, God can never go anywhere because <laughs> he's already there. And it's that, that kind of stuff that makes you think about God and what he's really like. You want to go a little deeper, lectures in systematic theology by a professor named Thiessen. You can find all these on the, the internet. And this is the college level stuff about all the different attributes of God, as we just read. But if you really want to be a crazy person, you get this. This is Gruden's Systematic Theology, 1,200 pages. Our pastor actually has read this through twice, just read it through. And um, if I were to throw this at you, you would go to heaven. But if you have a hunger to know God and about the church and angels and demons and just, just healthy doctrine in this world where we, we sometimes grow intimidated by how the society is changing around us and it's not as friendly as it once was. I mean, when I was a kid growing up here, my father was the minister at the Episcopal Church in PG. And I remember growing up here, and on Good Friday, uh, my dad would have a 12 to 3 Good Friday service. And the liquor store at Forrest and David would close from 12 to 3. Can you, can you feature that? And how things have grown darker and tighter since then. My first church was in a city called Warrensburg, Missouri. And I remember they would not allow the school boards to schedule any athletic events on Wednesday nights. That was church night. But here we are in such a, a, a more threatening era. You know, I went to York School down the road here and uh, studied Latin, but I also studied Rome. And Rome's basic thing, and if you remember back, I'm kind of going back to Nate's series on 1 Peter, remember that? And he called it Exile Christianity. And he, and he showed us how the people under the, the thumb of Rome, how the Christians kept their faith, how they were strong, how they were not intimidated. And Rome was, if it was anything, it was intimidating. Every place that Rome conquered, they would come in, and build elaborate buildings to just 
intimidate the populace. And so, for example, if you were a Jewish person, you could not go in the Roman baths or the Roman libraries or the Roman facilities. But if you changed your name from a Jewish name to a Roman name, you could have all that stuff. And a Roman soldier could at any time come up with those famous spears that they would hold, put it right to your neck, and then command you to say these words, Caesar is Lord. The, 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 the emperor, Caesar is Lord. And what were you supposed to say? You would have to say on pain of death, if you had a big view of God, what would you say? No, no. Jesus is Lord. And so many Christians lost their lives. But they had a view of God that gave them that boldness. That's what I want you and I to have. Real quick, four different things that make it helpful to have a large, healthy, biblical view of God. There's a funny station on... um, Broadcast TV called Grit, Grit TV, and it has lots of cowboy things on there. And somewhere during every cowboy movie, they'll talk about God in some ungod way, like, oh, he's the man upstairs, or the great cowboy in the sky, or whatever. No. And if you have that theology, that's going to get you nowhere in a, in a society like ours. But the first thing that a solid, large view of God does is it helps you with the whys of life. W-H-I, why? Have you, ever, have you ever said that out loud? Why? Why did I have that miscarriage? Didn't you say I experienced that years back? Why has this problem happened? Why did I lose my job? Why do I have a boss like that? Why have my kids gone into rebellion? The whys, a big view of God will assure you that God is far enough above you that he's doing all kinds of stuff that you don't understand. A God that we can fully understand would not be a very impressive God. So when you're saying, why? Understand that God is up to stuff and we're just not clued in yet. Number two, it helps with the unbalanced doctrines that float around these days. Maybe you've never uh, experienced anything like I did, but I'm a young pastor living in Missouri, planted my first church. And, you know, so I'm, gosh, I'm 22, three maybe. And um, I go to a pastor's meeting in a nearby city in Missouri and uh, just making conversation with a guy. If you've ever been to Missouri in the wintertime, it is cold. I remember flying into Missouri, Kansas City once, and it was 25 degrees below zero actual temperature. So I just, I had a nice coat on, and I said to this pastor guy next to me, um, really glad I got a coat on, man, it's, it's, winter's coming. And he said, not at my house. Winter's not going to come to my house. And I, had, I didn't know what he meant. He said, no, no, look at the book of Genesis. Winter is part of the curse. So no curse comes to my house because I'm only blessed. It will not be winter at my house. I will never wear a coat. Now that's, that theology is so tangled up. I wouldn't even know how to, to untangle that. But what do you do when you hear stuff like that? You've got to have a 
a large, accurate view of God. The third point is kind of about that. A big view of God helps you to have a total balanced view of God. And a lot of people want to make God all one thing or its opposite, like God is all love, no God is all justice. I remember the pastor once that, that just had such a negative feeling about his congregation. And uh, he was sure all of them are going to hell. And so he was preach, he'd preach every week about hell in some form. And then one day he surprised the, the flock and he said, next Sunday, I am going to preach about heaven. So everybody was really, really happy. And, uh, and so he comes next week and he says, now flock, I want to announce my title, heaven and why you'll miss it. <laughs> and so <laughs> that was his, his thing. Romans eleven twenty two. Romans eleven twenty two, Paul says, behold, the kindness and the severity of God. God has two sides. Like a coin always has two sides. Because God is absolutely loving, but he's also absolutely just. He is our savior, and he is the judge. So that when you study God, you get a, a full view of, of who he is. And finally... This, means, this one means a lot to me. Good, healthy theology, seeing how high and how wonderful and effective and competent and all everything that God is, helps me to believe that God can use even me. Even me. You know, from someone who had a, such a terrible self-image in the background and then I become a pastor and I have all kinds of fears and insecurities and such difficult things. I sat at a table once when I was a conference speaker years ago out in Colorado. And a big table for 12, and we're at this big conference. And the, the, uh, it was a conference. I think I spoke at it. I can't exactly remember. But it was, anyway, uh, the, the, the pastor whose church we were using sat down at the table I was at, big table for 12. And so I thought, well, this is great. A lot of people knew this guy's name. Some of you would remember it. And, um, but as he sat at the table and talked nonstop for 45 minutes, like an ADD kind of stream of consciousness thing, and just saying things that were just, just kind of crazy. And um, this, this was the guy that was past president of the National Association of Evangelicals, who was thought of as maybe the next Billy Graham. And I'm, I'm, something inside me is going, uh, uh, uh. And um, I thought, I, I, I must be wrong. I mean, this guy is just, he's incredible, and everyone loves him. And um, I remember thinking, I'm either judgmental or I'm discerning, and I'm not sure which it is. And then a year and a half later, he blows out with a particularly tragic form of sexual immorality, and I thought, oh, so God, you can give me discernment. Even me, even me. So here's how we're going to expand. And your brain. We're going to look at the do, some of the doxologies. Now, a doxology is, this, is simply a song of vertical praise and worship inserted into the words of Scripture. And you'll see that sometimes, Paul especially, we're going to look at six of his, he'll just be writing along, and then all of a sudden, he just gets happy. 
And so he just, he'll say things like this. Well, we'll come to him in a minute. Um, but in, in the letters associated with Paul, um, here are some of the doxologies. And so in these doxologies, there is incredible teaching about God, incredible truth about God. Jude 24, 25, last book of the, right before Revelation in the New Testament, you're going to exit today with Riley leading you in a song keyed to this doxology. Here are the words of the doxology, Jude 24 through 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, and then notice these four things. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. He's recognizing those four attributes of God. Before all time, and I like the next two words, and now. The real question is, what is God like now? How can God be involved in your life now? But he has glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forever. And the Greek phrase forever there is to all the ages. As far into the future as you can go. God deserves our understanding of his glory, his majesty. The word majesty means stateliness, dignity, and beauty. Do you ever think of God like that? His majesty, his dominion, which means perfect sovereignty. No one is above God. No one can cause God to do anything. Theologians say that God is the uncaused cause of everything. I say he's the uncaused cause, cuz. <laughs> Sovereignty and perfect control and perfect authority, which is the right to make and enforce any decision you want. Your God, your God eternally is glorious and majestic, perfectly in control, and will be forever. Amen. And notice the, notice the first phrase in the first three of these, you'll see as we go. It says, now to him who is able. I want to try to convince you today that he is able. Who is able? A lot of times people get caught up, well, I, I think he's able, but I don't know if he's willing. Here's what you get caught up in. He is able. In whatever mess you get yourself in, or in whatever mess someone else gets you in, he is able. To keep you from stumbling and present you, what's the next word? blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. See, one day, 
Because of the perfect work of the cross and the perfect cleansing of the blood, you will stand before God in his full glory. No one's ever seen that and lived. One day, because you're blameless, because you've been cleansed by Christ, you will see God in his full glory. And then what does it say? With great joy. Believe you me, when you stand before an undiluted vision of God, you're going to be very happy. (laughs) You may not be happy now, but one day, great joy is coming. How about Ephesians 3? This is a a Pauline doxology. He's writing along. Ephesians 1, 2, or 3 are a masterpiece about the redemptive plan of Christ. You'll see the phrase in Christ 20 times in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. And then he gets to this verse here in verse 20, and he just kind of goes nuts. He just just goes, goes off script, and he says these words. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. I have a very active mind. And I can ask and I can think a lot. I could dream about all kinds of things. But he is able to do what? Far more abundantly than I can ask or think. And here's an exciting phrase. According to the power that works where? In us. That's God's desire. Is not just that he's powerful, but he funnels his power in and through you. You need the power of God to keep that marriage going. You need the power of God in you to keep that parenting going. You need the power of God in you to, to obey when you don't like your boss and a million other things. According to the power at work within us. Right when I got saved, it used to amaze me. The things I could now do, I couldn't do before. The things I could think, I could never think before. The places I would go, I never wanted to go before. As a 16-year-old new Christian. And it was because the power of God was working in me. And a little secret here, the more you read the Bible, the more power you get. (laughs) Most of us need to double our intake of scripture. Now, if you only read a minute today, that would only mean two minutes. But two minutes is twice as much as one. So the power will it be worked with you, in you. To him be the glory in the church. So see, when we are to gather together as the church, the glory of God is potentially here in, a, in a, an amazing way. The glory of God in the church in Christ Jesus to all generations. Let's go to the next one. Romans 16, 25 to 27. Now, if you read Paul's letters... How many of you know he has some complicated sentences? Imagine Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 14 is one sentence. Now, have any of you studied diagramming in English class? You ever done that? I studied uh, diagramming at Robert Down Elementary School over in Pacific Grove. And on one diagramming test I got a minus 34 
I don't know how I managed to get a minus score, but I did. And when I read Romans 16, 25 through 27, I think, I don't know how I could ever diagram this. Listen to these words. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. That's all a parenthesis. That's all a parenthesis after he is able. And he's just going on and on about the, the, the preaching of the gospel and Christ and the prophetic writings. According to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. You'll never be fully obedient without faith. You'll find yourself arguing with God. Well, I don't agree with this thing, God. Well, I don't want to do that thing, God. I don't want to go there, God. I don't want to go to that school. But the the goal is here, the obedience of faith. And then he says, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. The only wise God. I think possibly my favorite attribute of God is his wisdom. Nothing ever stumps him. Nothing ever surprises him. And whenever people ask me, Pastor Jeff, what could we pray for you? I always say wisdom. If you have wisdom, which is knowledge correctly applied, you're okay. No matter what you come up against in your life, wisdom is going to help you go through it. And he is the only wise God. Glory to him forever or unto the ages of the ages. Look at 1 Timothy 1.17. Here's a short one. And this is a practical doxology, a psalm directly to God. It's a practical doxology with five great attributes of God in one verse. In one verse. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God. Now, the previous thing said the only wise God. Here, Paul says the only God. There were so many gods around in Paul's day, the Greek gods, the Roman gods, the pagan gods. And he said, nope, to the only God. Honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Did you see those five points? He's the king of the ages. He is immortal. I love the word immortal. It means no death. You cannot kill God. He cannot die. He will never die. I asked my dad once, who was a pastor, when did God start? And he and I, I was a I wasn't the brightest crayon in the box. Let's just put it that way. When did God start? And he said, Jeff, God has always been. Now, if you think about that, that God has always been. If you can get, let that settle into you, that will, that'll get you through anything. 
There's never been a time where there wasn't God. To the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. It's a practical doxology with five attributes of God. Do you view God that way? Do you view God as your king? When God speaks, I say yes. Do you realize he's of the ages? He, he has, is unaffected by what's happening in our world today. He's immortal. The challenging thing is God is invisible. Isn't that wild that we're sitting here talking so confidently about someone we can't see? God must be approached by faith. But if you can get your faith built like the early Christian did under Rome, you can do anything. And do realize he's the only God. Don't substitute anything else for God. You can have fun in all kinds of other things, but the top thing needs to be God. 2 Timothy 4.18. This is a a doxology, a practical doxology, including a proclamation about God. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is saying goodbye. Paul knows his beheading is, is soon, and he says these words. The Lord, this is the proclamation, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed And bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. Are there evil deeds going on these days around you? Do you you ever had someone that had you for some reason in their sights and was going to just do their best to, to ruin you or make you miserable? Paul says... I don't worry about any of that. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. When I was a conference speaker, I was in Houston one day. Just had a marvelous time at a big Methodist church there and uh, was heading to the airport to go home. And my wife, Denise, uh, called me and said, "Uh, your dad is dying. So fly home and let's get you a change of clothes change suitcase, and I want you to go out to Pacific Grove and help your dad. He's dying. He's requested you to be his chaplain for the last days of his life. And that is not fun. That is not fun to watch a a father go. But at the same time, I watched my dad die in my mom's arms after 52 years of marriage. I watched him breathe his last and it was, it was terrible, it was awful, but I watched God bring my dad safely to the end of his life and off to the heavenly kingdom. And we were singing earlier that song about death has no victory, death has no sting. As I was standing there trying to, 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 to know what to feel, that verse dropped into my mind, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, Hades, where is your sting? If our belief system can help us die correctly, it's the best thing going because all of us will head there. The Lord will deliver me from his, 
from every evil deed, bring you safety of the heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Hebrews 13 may not have been written by Paul, but it, I'm lumping it in under the epistles here. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. I love this one. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. It's one thing I love about Jesus. What a shepherd he is. He knows everything about you. He knows your ups and your downs and your all arounds and all that stuff. He is the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant. And here's a a prayer of intercession. May he equip you with everything good so that you may do his will. At this point in your life, in the areas where you're doing his will, doesn't that feel great? To do the will of God in your life. And he's praying, may he equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Don't you want to be pleasing in the sight of the Lord for him to look at you and just be so pleased? You don't have to be perfect, but you're on the way, pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I love these doxologies. They, they have so many aspects of how wonderful our God is. Let me just throw in a few and we'll finish in Revelation. How many of you have read the book of Revelation? How many of you were scared by the book of Revelation? It, it's, it's pretty intense. It's, a, it's the, you know, a glimpse of this place that we are going And the doxologies are places in Revelation, these songs that a lot of times are indented in the text of what you're reading. So you see, oh, this is like a poem or this is a song. Revelation 4, 8 through 10. Now, when you read Revelation 4, there's a lot to kind of flip out about. But it's, it's cool. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. What's the next word? Almighty. Almighty. Not half mighty, sort of mighty. Almighty. Who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, there's these 24 elders in a half circle around the throne. And what do they do? They fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever and they lay their crowns before the throne. Some versions say they cast their crowns before the throne. But I like the fact that these 24 elders just fall out of their chairs. This is, just, this is God, you're amazing. And then 411, notice the word you. Addressing God, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things, and by your will they were created, and they have their being. That's a great thing about God is if he's anything, he's a creator. 
He can take out of nothing and then create. And he's worthy of all our glory and honor and power. Revelation 5, 9. And here's another doxology, a song of praise. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus. And to open the seals of the scroll. For you, Christ, were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God. And this next phrase here has created missionaries and missionary wannabes for all the centuries that it's been read. Because you ransomed people for God. That's one reason I'm so glad our youth are going to Thailand. Every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue, every tribe, language, people, and nation deserves to hear about Christ. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign upon the earth. One day, we'll not just be sitting around strumming harps on clouds. We will actually be serving God in tangible ways. We don't understand all of that. But every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation belong to God and need to hear the gospel. Revelation 5.11, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, not myriads and myriads, myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Now, how many, how big is thousands of thousands? 200 million. If you multiply thousands by thousands, you get into hundreds of millions. And they say with a loud voice. Now, what does a couple hundred million loud voices sound like? See, heaven is, is a, it's a, it's a dimension far beyond what we can conceive. Things happen there that can't happen here. And what do they say? First word off the top, Worthy. Since March 31st, I have made a goal of to, to be in, conscious, in constant consciousness and conversation with God every minute that I can, practicing the presence of God. And sometimes I'll go an hour and think, I have not thought about God the last hour. So it's kind of like in the TV studios, if you ever watch network TV, they say, okay, back to the studio back to you, and I go back to God, and the simplest thing I do is I just use the word worthy. Lord, worthy are you of my praise, my time, my strength, my finances, my attention, and just go on and on. And you are dwelling in the presence of God. Use the word worthy. I'm not worthy but God, you are worthy. And worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive seven things, power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. Final thing, final one, Revelation 5, 13 to 14. I feel like you're getting tired, so I'm gonna wrap. Then I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying these words. 
to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. So what's left to do to that perfect statement? The four living creatures say, amen. And what do the elders do? They fall out of their chairs. <laughs> I want Riley to come and we're going to close in, in a moment a sung version of the doxology of Jude. And you'll get an idea what it's like. But I want to pray for you because as Nate said in the series in 1 Peter, we, we are in some contrary winds these days. You don't have to be dissuaded by that. You have God. You not only have God, you have Jesus. Not only that, you have the Holy Spirit. And you know I'm retiring soon, July 15th. But one thing I have, because I'm, I'm, I live here, I'll continue to attend here, is I have a family. We have so much, so we don't have to be afraid. So let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for a bigger view of you. You're so high we can't get over you. You're so deep we can't get under you. You're so wide we can't get around you. But we can come to you. Help us with the wise, Lord. Some of us who've gotten stumbled and, and messed up over something that's happened to us, help us to let the why go, knowing you're a hundred levels above us in what you're doing. And any of the unbalanced doctrines we've toyed with. Help us to believe, Lord, that you are so great. You'll give us a full knowledge of both sides of you, your kindness and severity. And you're so great, you'll even use us. Thank you that we died, Colossians 3, 3, and our lives are hidden with Christ and God. As we've seen you in the doxologies today, God, you're just greater than we could hardly imagine. Lead us into the study, Lord, of, of systematic theology, if that's what you have for us. But just open our eyes to what and who you are. We love you today, Lord. Thank you. You have us in the palm of your hand. We want to be bold people who even create at times, because of our faith, discomfort in the people around us. Get us out of our own heads and get us into you, Lord. Thank you for these words of Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more teachings and information about Calvary Monterey, please visit calvary.com. You can also find books, teachings through the Bible, and articles from our lead pastor at nateholdridge.com. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next week.